welcome to the International Bus Podcast brought to you by Wopi. I'm your co-host Tanya Falkner. And I'm your co-host Robert Rogi. And in this episode, we're talking to Catherine Bussman. Catherine is the founder of Verbatino, an international marketing consultancy. And she's also the host of the Worldly Marketer podcast that talks about global marketing issues. Thank you so much for joining us today, Catherine. Oh, it's my pleasure to join you today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's kick things off with uh, just an overview of like how you got into podcasting and uh, you know what you're doing over there at the Worldly Marketer. Just tell us the story about your podcast. Sure. Well, it started in 2014 when I founded my business, my consultancy, Verbacino. And at first I was kind of trying to figure out my focus for what I was exactly offering and ended up really interested in marketing specifically over other services that I thought I was offering, which included things like translation and which I outsourced, of course, but I decided that I really wanted to be a marketing consultant rather than, you know, communications more generally. And I decided that I needed a content platform to put myself out there. And so I started blogging like most entrepreneurs. They always recommend that you start a blog and uh, use that as a content platform to explain, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing it, what your focus is and how you can help people and put out, you know, useful information. That was good. And I, I enjoy writing about two years into my business. So in 2016, I thought, well, I, I actually really enjoy podcasting as a form of communication. I always really enjoyed listening to other people's podcasts and I, I found them very entertaining and very helpful and educational in many cases as I was trying to start my own business. There's podcasts out there for everything under the sun now and uh, certainly in the realm of um, entrepreneurship and marketing and communications, there's lots of podcasts to choose from. So I went looking for a podcast about international or global marketing just for my own education and uh, edification and I couldn't find one. I literally couldn't find one out there and I thought, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a sign. Maybe I was meant to start one myself. The thought of which was a little bit daunting because I, I'm not the most technical person in the world, but I thought, okay, if other people have figured out how to do this, maybe I can as well. So in 2016, in May, I launched my own podcast, the Worldly Marketer podcast, and the focus really is global marketing issues, but in the widest sense of the term. And it's so that includes everything from translation to localization to, you know, international logistics to cross-cultural communication to, you know, international business issues, trade issues, import-export. You know, it's really anything that touches on global marketing in the widest sense. So I started that in 2016 and I've been doing it ever since. And it's pretty much weekly. I mean, I take a few breaks here and there, sometimes during the summer or over, you know, the winter holidays, but I've pretty much been doing it on a weekly basis quite consistently ever since. And my target audience is really small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs who are not yet on their way to becoming global brands, but have global ambitions and are thinking globally already and just kind of need to know what it's going to take to take their business global, to expand internationally. And so it's really the clients of the localization industry and the clients of the translation industry that I'm targeting as my audience. And so would you describe your podcast as like a great success then? 
Well, I think so. I mean, considering that I started uh, with an audience of, of zero or maybe one, you know, myself, <laughs> and I really had very few contacts in the industry when I started out because I was very new on the scene. And I, and it's actually interesting because as my podcast has grown, so has my network. And because it's an interview format, it's, uh, you know, the whole idea of the podcast was to interview a different guest expert every week. The people I've had on my podcast over the months and, and now years that I've since I started the podcast have become part of my network. And, you know, as it turns out, it's actually a fantastic way to grow a really, really solid, high quality network of colleagues and potential business partners, potential clients you know, potential, yeah, just colleagues in, in the same space that I didn't have when I started. And so for that reason alone, I'm really glad that I started it. It's been a great way to get to reach out successfully and get to know people who are really thought leaders in the industry, not just the localization industry. And I don't think would have necessarily had much time for me if I had just approached them out of the blue just to connect with them. I think the fact that I I was interested in having them on my podcast, in many cases, you know, the response was, oh, <laughs> I've never been on a podcast before. Sure, you know, I'll do that. That sounds kind of intriguing. And that's how you build your network slowly and but surely. And so now I would say just for that reason alone, it's been a success because I, for less than altruistic reasons, I've been very successful in growing a, a really fascinating network of people that I now am connected with and, and can reach out to for other purposes. And it's just been great that way. And, you know, it's still, as far as I can tell, you know, the only consistent, regular, independent podcast about global marketing out there, as far as I can tell. So yeah. I would say it's been very successful for that reason. Yeah. I mean, we totally get it. Uh, it's the same for us, right? We've also had very interesting conversations with people that you might otherwise, you know, not be able to interview or engage with. So that's definitely a benefit. And so what are the other benefits you think that a podcast has apart from, you know, growing your network and getting in touch with people in the industry? Mm -hmm. Well, I actually think that podcasting as a digital platform is one of the most effective forms of content marketing because it's a very intimate medium. It really connects you with the people that you really want to reach, the people who are be the most interested in the work that you do, the things that the, you're offering are also the people who are most likely to tune in to that podcast sooner or later, because it's a medium that lends itself to long form. Unlike blogging to some extent, I guess you can write long form articles and some people will take the time to read them, but not everyone has the time to read long form articles every week yeah. uh, or every day. And it's the same with video. Video is sort of even more limited in the sense that Yeah, you can put out, you can have a YouTube channel, you can do regular video casts, what are they called, vlog, a vlog, I guess, where you put out regular episodes and that. But if you make your videos longer than, you know, a few minutes, people are just going to tune out. People just don't have the time to watch long videos on a regular basis. I mean, I know I don't. I, I, and the problem is because your eyes have to be on the screen the whole time. You can't be doing other things. So you have to focus on the screen. And so you're kind of captive. And not many people have time in their day to do that on a regular basis. Whereas with podcasts, the beauty of the podcast is that it's audio only. 
So you can be doing other things while you listen to a half hour, let's say, podcast. So you can be commuting, you can be walking your dog, you can be doing the dishes, you can be going for your workout, you know, whatever it is you, you need to be doing anyway, you can at the same time listen to a podcast while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you have to stop everything and keep your eyes glued to a screen to listen to a podcast, quite the opposite. So it's it's very flexible that way. It's very mobile that way. And uh, that's what I love about podcasts. They, you can fit a long form piece of content and it can be educational or it can be entertaining or whatever it is that you're looking for in a podcast. You can be consuming that piece of content while doing other things that you need to be doing anyway. Comparing it to a blog post, though, don't you think that with, like for a blog post, if you read something interesting and you want to refer to it later, you just go back, you find what you were looking for and copy it or whatever you want to do with it. But with a podcast, you probably don't go back and listen to it again. Do you think there is, you know, in the sense that you listen to it and done, you probably don't go back to it? Yeah, no, that's true. And I think I think it's worth for podcasters who deal in, in lots of facts and figures that people will want to maybe go back and refer to and, and quote maybe even and, and use for other purposes. I mean, it might be sensible to then think about providing transcripts that people can then have access to so that there's a written kind of version of it out there somewhere. And I, I know there's podcasters who their show notes are basically, that's what the show notes are, is, is a written transcript of, of the whole entire podcast. Now that requires resources that <laughs> I don't have right now. And I'm not sure it's really necessary in my case, but but you're right. I mean, it's there are definitely podcasts where you might want to It would be nice if it were easier to go back and find certain things that were mentioned easily. And, and you could, like with a blog post where you can quickly scan with your eyes and find the piece of information that you remember reading, you can find it again quickly. With a podcast, it's not quite as easy as that. Yeah, it'd be nice if you can search the audio file, you know, based on keywords. Yeah, yeah. And there are podcasters who will, again, in the show notes, there might not be a whole transcript of it, but they might give you information like at, you know, whatever, 17 minutes, 34 seconds, we uh, talk about this. And then at uh, 23 minutes, 54 seconds, we move on to this other topic. And so they'll give you sort of time cues like that where to make it easy to find things again. So that's another thing that one could mm -hmm. do, I guess. I don't do that. But um, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, each medium, I think, has its advantages. And I think with podcasts, the advantage is that it's very intimate, unlike a blog post, for instance, where you don't have the author's or the host's voice in your ear, right? Right in your ear. It doesn't have the same intimacy, right? Well, I think with podcasts, the whole, the selling feature, I guess, of a podcast is that it creates a, a level of intimacy. If you follow a podcast, if you listen to it, if you're subscribed to it even, and you listen to it regularly, you end up really getting a sense of the host's personality, right? The host's temperament and personality and, and their voice becomes familiar and, and you almost feel like you know them a little bit on some level, right? And it's just a very intimate medium that way. And it's in a way that a blog post will never be, I think. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is the difference with a podcast. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's also interesting because, like, the listeners of podcasts are, I mean, it almost fits into their ongoing learning, right? Like, when, for business podcasts, you know, mm -hmm. so, like, when they come on, they're just ready to learn something or it almost fits into someone's, like, self-improvement schedule. Yeah, and I think it's content marketing at its best, in the best sense of the term. I mean, it's there to enrich your day, right? It's there to give you food for thought, get your mind thinking about 
things in a different way maybe than you would have otherwise. It's like being privy to a conversation, right? That uh, you may not be actively participating in, but you're there, you're listening to it, you're listening to the host. If it's an interview format, you're listening in on, on a conversation between two or more people. And I think it's more active than just if you were watching something similar happening on TV, for instance, where you can kind of walk away from the screen or whatever. With a podcast, I mean, it's in your ears. You're not walking away from it to get a snack or, you know, whatever it is. There's no commercial interruptions usually. It's very direct and it's very all-encompassing, I think. And you can hit the pause button. And that's the other thing I love about podcasts. It's like radio, but on demand. So you can pick up where you left off. If you need to take a break from it to do other things, you can come back to the episode later. You can rewind and listen to bits uh, that you liked. Again, it has advantages over other mediums that uh, I think are not to be underestimated. And for content marketing in particular are very valuable because it, it creates a level of thought leadership and trust, I think, as a host, if you're doing your job well, you are laying the groundwork for some a trust relationship with potential clients that you wouldn't have otherwise, I think, through other channels. Definitely. What do you think? What different formats are there for podcasts? So Yeah, I was going to ask the same thing. Yeah, because I think most of your podcasts are in the interview format like ours, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so did you ever think about breaking out of that format and doing... I think you did, right? I think you have some episodes where it's just you. I've seen some taken. too. There are some, right? Yeah, I think I did maybe one or two solo episodes. And that was basically out of desperation because <laughs> I didn't manage to line up an interviewee in time for, for that week's episode. But I was determined to put out my weekly episode, as I always do. And, and so I thought, OK, well, I guess I can talk about... I think in the one case, I talked about marketing to a Canadian audience, what's involved in targeting the Canadian market, what makes the Canadian market unique and, and different from, for instance, the U.S. market. That was, I think, one episode. And in the other episode, I think I talked about my podcast, the Worldly Marketer podcast, and how I've managed to build a global audience through that channel. And I think I talked about how many downloads I had managed to get by that point from how many different countries and things like that. So it's I think those were the two solo episodes I did kind of out of desperation, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, I wanted to say, so how did that go? But it seems you, you'd prefer the interview style podcasts. Well, yeah, because it's kind of a very challenging thing to put out. Well, for me, anyway, I, I find the idea of putting out a, a solo kind of episode every week kind of daunting. I mean, I, I'm not sure... I would have enough material to talk about every week uh, if it was just me. So the whole point of bringing on guest experts is that you you get to pick someone else's brain for half an hour or more <laughs> in a different person every week, ideally. And, and it's uh, someone who is an expert at something that you maybe don't know as much about. So you can learn something from them and your audience can learn something from them as well. And that's the whole idea. And it, it makes, I think, for a more interesting dynamic as well as if, if it was just just me every time, yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, it's a, actually it's a basketball podcast by Zach Lowe. So if there's any, you know, NBA basketball fans out there and his podcast is interesting because he has a guest every time. But then he does most of the talking because <laughs> <So like, laughs> he's kind of, you know, he's he's a pretty good He's an astute basketball mind. And it's interesting because he has people on, but then they just talk, which is sort of different too. He asks questions, but not so many. Like he has people on and they just talk, like more conversational. 
which is interesting. But I guess that depends on the guests, really, and like what the topic is. Like sometimes we have guests where we don't know necessarily enough to talk about that issue. Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to do it. I mean, yeah, like what you said, where it's more just a conversational kind of banter back and forth. And there's podcasts that work really, really well where there's two hosts. There's no guests involved, really, at least not on a regular basis. And it's just the two hosts kind of talking with each other. I mean, I, I actually have one of my favorite podcasts is um, it's called The Showrunner. And it's a podcast about podcasting. It's two guys, both of whom have lots of experience podcasting with their own individual separate shows, but they started a podcast together called The Showrunner, and it's about podcasting. And it's it's more the strategic kind of marketing side of, you know, how do you plan your podcast? How do you launch it successfully? How do you maintain it successfully? How do you keep it going? How do you potentially monetize it if that's your goal you know how do you keep it uh, sustainable that way and it's sort of more the strategic angle on, on podcasting rather than like the technical angle and these two guys i mean they don't really have guests on their show it's just the two of them but they have a theme every time every week and they they discuss the theme and uh, it's very educational like if, if anyone out there is ever thinking of launching their own podcast uh, go check that out because it's a very helpful uh, podcast that's how i um, kind of learned everything I know about the strategic right. side. And the podcast itself was actually a vehicle to lay the groundwork for their online course that they ended up launching. After a certain number of shows, they announced that they were launching an online course on how to start a podcast, also called the showrunner course. And um, so I signed up for that. And so that's what podcasting and do that for you. It can create an audience and that audience is tuning in every week or every few days or however, whatever your production schedule is to learn something from you or to be entertained by you, depending on the goal. But it, the goal should never be to sell them anything. The goal should be to bring value. And that's why people will keep tuning in on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But the, I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it. And there's, you know, there's podcasts that are super successful that are very short form. So they're only like 10 minutes or less long every time. That's one way to do it. So then you don't necessarily have to make it an interview format because that would be kind of not enough time, I think, to have a proper conversation. But yeah, so that's one way to do it. Very short form, you know, five minutes, sometimes even less. Then there's podcasts that are super long form. That's, uh, I mean, I I'm a big fan of podcasts and I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts, but I have to say if it goes beyond the half hour mark, I usually kind of put it on a a list of things I want to eventually get around to listening to, but often will never get around to because it's just a, a little bit long. Like I, if it's approaching the one hour mark, I hesitate because I usually don't have that kind of time in a day to fit it in. Whereas a half hour seems like a manageable amount of time for listening to a podcast. It's interesting that you say that because we've had this discussion a lot and I mean you know we don't have a strict time limit our podcasts are always somewhere between 30 and let's say 50 to 60 minutes maximum it depends on the conversation really but I'm also someone who said you know I'd prefer shorter ones I listen to ones who are even less who sometimes are even shorter than 10 minutes but I mean I know there's also you know if you want to get into detail about a topic you sometimes just need more time so I don't know, it's it's quite interesting. And it's difficult, though, to find out what your audience would prefer. Hey, 
As you know, we like to keep things mostly non-commercial around here, and we like to just stick to interviewing the guests about fascinating subjects. But we would like to take a moment to mention a little bit about WordBee Translator. WordBee Translator is the translation management system developed by WordBee over the last 10 years. So we are celebrating 10 years now. It's all in one system, so you can manage projects. It also has linguistic tools. It has tools for finance, business analytics, and it's been around for 10 years. So it does pretty much anything you want. Before working for WordBee, I also used WordBee Translator. One of my favorite things about it was actually the invoicing because it made it really easy to manage supplier invoices, create them, and just not have to deal too much with the financial side of things. But other customers appreciate other things, like for example, it's a native cloud technology, so it's really collaborative. You know, you can keep track of what's going on in there at uh, any, any moment in your project. It's easy to set up different job assignment methods. You know, you can check your stats at any time. You can see how your project managers are performing. You can see how your translators are doing. And yeah, it does pretty much everything you want. It ends up fitting your organization like a glove, as we say. So that was just a word about Werby Translator. Now, without further ado, back to the podcast. Well, so like, just because we're kind of going on now from the format or the yeah, from the benefits section, just to, to quickly enumerate the benefits before we continue that part. So the number one benefit is that you get to expand your network with your guests, right? The second yeah. benefit is that, you know, you get people listening and you get like, it's good content, right? And then the third one is monetization, if if that's what you want to do. So like, I think we're kind of with this subject moving on towards tools, because so like, for the listeners out there that are, might be considering having a podcast, you have to host it somewhere. So like Catherine used Libsyn, right? Yeah. Um, and we use SoundCloud. And some of those tell you the average listen time. So you can kind of see where people start dropping off. But I'm not really sure which ones show what data. Yeah. So on Libsyn, I mean, I kind of, I ended up going for the, uh, there's there's different levels of, of, I guess, you know, membership. And uh, I chose the one that will actually provide you analytics. So it's, I pay a little bit more every month, but I, I get access to my analytics. And so, but even so, I mean, it, it really talks about number of downloads, unique downloads per episode. It tells you when those downloads happened. It tells you where they happened so you can see where your listeners are where in the world so from that i for instance i know that most of my listeners about a third of all my listeners are in the us mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, most of those listeners are actually uh, on the west coast i know that much but I, I you know i have listeners from like almost 100 different countries at this point and i you know the total number of downloads is interesting but i I get the sense that that does not include the people who stream the podcast mm -hmm. because there are studies now that you can look up. Uh, one was done, for instance, by Edison Research. Edison Research did a study in 2017 about uh, the podcast listening audience in the U.S. So it's it's really only the U.S. that they, they surveyed. But, I mean, it showed things like, yes, uh, podcast listenership is is rising it's uh, podcasting as a medium is becoming more popular and more well known it's still a little bit uh, of a niche because many people still have never listened to a podcast and many people don't even know what a podcast is but the percentage of people who do know and who do listen to podcasts on a regular basis is increasing every year so it is a growing medium but among the people who do re listen regularly 
the vast majority do not download their episodes. They merely stream their episodes because most people listen on a, on a mobile device and I guess they don't want to, you know, clog their mobile devices with too much data. So they just stream their episodes when they're, when they're able. So that's, that's good to know because it, it does put your download numbers in perspective. I don't know. What, what kind of analytics do you have access to? So I was just looking actually to see if we can see the drop-off rate because we have uh, this this beast of a 50-minute podcast and, you know, like like I was talking with Jeff in Montreal, you know, and he was saying that he listens on his bike on the way to work and on the way back. And like when I think about podcasts, the way I listen is like if it's long and I tune out, I usually I'll just let it play because <laughs> I'm doing something else and I just stop paying attention to it mm. if it's not interesting. And for me, that's okay. So we have with SoundCloud, with our host, we have plays, likes, reposts, comments, and downloads. Mm -hmm. But then it also tells us the audience and location. And really the interesting thing is the source. So if it was played on soundcloud.com, if it was played from an embed player, the embed player is like each episode has a link and you, it's just like Libsyn, right? Like you can play it in a Twitter feed or you can play it on your website or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it also tells you where, like if people were using iTunes or if they were on an iPhone or if it was a third party app, you know, like an Android app for podcasts or Stitcher or whatever. And uh, that's pretty much all the stats that we get. Like it's enough, but I really wish they would show us the drop off rate because then I could say to Tanya, I could say, Tanya. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm right. right. <laughs> I'm absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, YouTube does give that to you. YouTube does. But yeah. uh, like you were mentioning about YouTube, a lot of podcasts do go up on YouTube. But I, I would mention that, like, when you're listening to YouTube on your phone, if you navigate away from your browser, it stops, you know? Right. And that's not really practical for a podcast radio sort of mm. thing because you don't usually want to have your phone on while you're listening. So yeah, I, I really wish that we had that information, but yeah. we, we don't have it. So like, what are some of the other tools that a person needs to host a podcast? If, if any of the listeners are thinking, like this could be the worst idea we ever had, by the way, you know, to have this podcast, because like, <laughs> like, like next month, there's going to be like 50 localization podcasts. So I would I would encourage any anybody listening that's thinking of starting a podcast to choose a niche topic. But like, uh, what what are some of the tools that people need to have a podcast? Like, where do they start? The thing about podcasting, unlike you know, video even is the bar to entry is pretty low. I mean, if even if you're not technically inclined, and God knows I'm not very technically inclined, but. I mean, you can sort of just Google, you know, podcasting equipment and find out what the bare minimum is, which is basically what I use. I mean, my setup is really simple. <laughs> I, I did a little webinar a while ago and I, I created um, like a little PowerPoint presentation and it's it's up on um, SlideShare. SlideShare, if you ever want to. If, yeah. if you're ever on, on verbicino.com, you can click on my SlideShare social icon at the top of my my website on, on the homepage or on any page, actually, on my website. There's all the social icons, and one of them is uh, the SlideShare social icon. If you click on that, you'll go to my SlideShare account, and you'll see there's a presentation on uh, podcasting. And uh, one of the pictures is literally a picture I took of my desk and the setup I have on my desk with uh, the tools that I use for podcasting. It's literally just a microphone with, with a pop filter attached to the front of it. 
there's um, a gizmo that I keep forgetting the, <laughs> the technical name of, but it's the brand is Focusrite, and it basically is the thing that connects my microphone to my laptop because the, the microphone isn't plugged in directly to my laptop. It's plugged into this Focusrite unit, and uh, it evens out the, the audio. It uh, it just creates for a better audio recording. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I do all my interviews via Skype. So if you have a Skype account and you know your interviewee has a Skype account, you can get the Skype uh, call recorder plug-in, which is free, and... Uh, Basically, that's all you need. You, and, and you need, I mean, ideally, you want an external hard drive of some sort where you can back up all your recordings so that if your laptop ever gets lost or stolen or damaged or whatever, you don't suddenly lose everything. <laughs> you want everything backed up somewhere. Um, and it's because, you know, they're audio files, you're going to need a certain amount of storage space. So a, a good external hard drive for storage is also a good idea. And other than that, I mean, that's all you really need, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at the point where I'm probably going to upgrade my microphone because I, I find these days that when I listen back to my episodes, the audio quality on my side is less than what it could be. Now, that might actually also be because right at the moment, I mean, I live in downtown Toronto and I have like all these construction sites right out my window. <laughs> so right, I, right. I'm all, I have a feeling that there's some background noise that just can't be avoided completely. But um, unless I create a, some sort of soundproof recording room in my apartment here, it's going to be a problem. But, um, you know, I think most people, unless the audio is absolutely horrible, they're still going to listen to your podcast if the content is worth listening to. So I I try not to worry too, too much about, you know, it doesn't have to be NPR quality or or BBC quality to be uh, worth listening to. Right, right. Absolutely. And then you edit your podcasts with, because there's a software component too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that depends on what you use. Like I have a a MacBook, so I use GarageBand to edit Mm -hmm. my uh, episodes and I do all my own editing and Mm -hmm. it's very time because I'm a bit of a perfectionist so I probably spend way more time editing than I probably should but (laughs) but I I like to make everybody sound good you know I try to cut out all the filler words and if I can and make everything flow nicely and so I I do a quite a bit of post-production on each episode Mm-hmm. That's just me. I mean, I, I don't think every podcaster does that, nor should they. And it's just a thing I do. But I, do you and sing I actually in a band, of, too? <laughs> uh, no. But, okay. <laughs> but, but it's just, I don't know. I, maybe it's my background as a phonologist, and, and I just get a kick out of seeing the the audio kind of visually on, on my GarageBand app. And I just enjoy cutting and pasting and doing the editing on it. So it's something I... I actually enjoy so, but I, I use GarageBand. Other people use Ophonic is another uh, editing software. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but if you don't think editing is necessary, then I wouldn't worry about it so much. If, mm-hmm. if uh, you know, a lot of podcasters just put out their their recording mm-hmm. pretty much as is. You know, others will outsource the editing to a professional podcast editor, an editing service. So that's another option if you if right. you have the the resources to do that. That's great. Yeah, but, that's uh, that's what we do. Our our setup is very similar to yours, but it's not identical, I guess. We use USB mics. I have a Blue Yeti, mm-hmm. and Tanya has... It's a Rode Podcaster. Yeah, Podcaster, but not the Pro one, right? No. Because the Pro one has the XL8 or whatever connector, the, the one mm-hmm. that you probably has that goes into your focus box thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we use USB mics, so they go straight into the computer. And then we record with Hindenburg Pro. Okay. Uh, or actually, it's called Hindenburg Journalist. 
And it's kind of nice because it has some, it's made just for audio tracks like podcasts and stuff. So you can actually get that NPR sound. It has a dial on there for the compressor, you mm-hmm. know, and if you crank that all the way to the top, you get like NPR sound. <laughs> but I don't think we have, I don't think we crank that up. And then we have a guy, we should probably plug his services. His name is Roman Deschenko, and he's uh, in Ukraine. Uh, and he's a very good podcast editor. So he, you know, he does like some ums and ahs. He edits certain sections out, makes sure that everything sounds good, lays in the audio and stuff. And and we manage that on Trello. So we have a podcast board. And every time we make one, we put the link to the files there. And then he, he puts it together for us. So he's quite good mm-hmm. at what he does. And I, I guess that covers our setup. Like we do, we're missing stuff. Like you said, you really don't need that much stuff, really, to get started. No, and it doesn't have to cost a lot. I mean, you can start with just a sort of entry-level equipment. I mean, my microphone is an Audio-Technica 2020, I think it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, I'm at the point where I'm thinking of upgrading, but it's served me very well, you know, for the last two years and a bit. So that's, I think, the beauty of podcasting. The barrier to entry is very low. Like cost should not be a factor in whether or not you decide to start podcasting. I mean, I think the most expensive thing is really the hosting fees, right? Because you you do have to pay your hosting platform, you know, a monthly membership fee, hosting fee. So in my case, I think I pay like $50 a month for hosting fees. Hmm. That's my biggest expense. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's probably the same for us. Um, Well, we pay 15, I think. Yeah, it always depends. Like, I mean, I... I think I could probably get away with a more a cheaper plan than the one I, I've subscribed to. But the plan I have is the one that gives you all the analytics and it, it gives mm-hmm. you like a lot of storage also, which I'm not taking full advantage of. I mean, I think I have way more storage that I'm buying. I'm paying for way more storage than I really need. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, the problem there is, is that your episodes are too short. Right. <laughs> I think you need to shoot for that 50, 60 minute mark. <laughs> well, I think potentially I could be uploading like videos too. So that's part of like, of course, which would take much more data and space to host. Right. But yeah, so the reason I picked the plan that I'm on is is really because of access to analytics that I wouldn't otherwise have necessarily in that kind of detail. So you know, that's my biggest expense. I mean, and there's, like you say, there's much less expensive plans out there. It does not have to cost $50 a month. It can be $20 or sometimes less. So. I mean, we talked about this a little before about what's important for making a podcast and maybe we can just sort of wrap up our episode by compiling that. So you mentioned, you know, not just like a podcast is not here to promote your services. It's interact with people and have interesting conversations. What would you add to that? You have to think of it as as community building, right? Building a rapport with your... Okay, let's back up a little bit. First of all, you really need to be clear on who your target audience is, because if you don't know that, then you're going to be floundering every time you're planning your next episode. You're not going to know exactly what the point of it is. Whereas if you start off with very clear picture in your own mind of who your target listener is, and you can you know really create a, an as they do in in marketing, you know, create an avatar of your ideal listener, of your Mm -hmm. target listener. Who is this person, right, that you're talking to? And when you're doing a podcast, you know, ideally, you want to kind of have that person in your head, pretend like they're sitting in the room with you, and you're talking with them, they're in your presence, and you always have them in mind, when you're 
either talking, you know, doing a monologue or whether you're doing an interview format where you're talking to your guest and you're sort of creating, you're steering the line of questioning a certain way, you know, you're trying to get certain information out of your guests. You always need to keep at the, always at the back of your mind, have this target listener in your mind so that there's a consistency to the whole thing because people will tune in if it's relevant for them and they will keep tuning in if they realize that it's consistently relevant for them. If it's all over the place, if one week it's sort of the purpose seems to be this thing and the next week the purpose of the podcast seems to be this other thing, which has nothing much to do with the first thing and and the audience, the target audience seems to be two different groups of people, then it's confusing and you're going to lose your audience. If you're making it potentially for everybody, then you're really making it for nobody. So you need to really be clear on who your target audience is. So in my case, for instance, I really purposely create my episodes and I plan my questions ahead of time. I send the questions, I prepare questions and send them to my guests ahead of time so that they can prepare for that interview, you know, without sounding too scripted, but just to know what's coming. Because in part, because I want to make sure that I structure the interview in a way that's going to be relevant for my target audience. And my target audience is not industry insiders. My target audience is not the localization industry. My target audience is the clients, or more specifically, the potential clients of the localization industry. So people who don't understand all the jargon yet, who don't know, and who maybe don't care, frankly, how the sausage is made, right? They don't care how you do what you do. They just care that you do it well, and they care what the ROI is going to be for them, right? They care that it's going to bring business results. They want to know why they should care about translation and localization. You have to explain it to them in terms that make sense to them and that they care about in terms of uh, how their business can potentially grow as a result, right? By Mm -hmm. investing in translation and localization. How does that help my business? How does that help me go global? That's interesting. You know, I think uh, on our podcast, we do a lot of localization episodes. But like today, we're doing a podcast episode. But I think one of our best episodes so far was the one we did about Creole. I think sometimes when you have a target audience, you can also target their interests. Maybe like localization professionals are also very interested in language, for example. So we can do episodes about language. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are interested in marketing topics, too. So we can do marketing topics. Ours is, is, I don't want to say it's all over the place. But I think how focused you are on a topic is sort of depends on your audience's interests, mm-hmm. maybe. So, but like you said, like for your podcast, I think it's really, really perfect to focus because people are tuning in for, you know, marketing advice. Yeah, not just, not just any marketing advice, you know, mm-hmm. marketing advice with a global perspective, because yeah. there are tons of podcasts out there about marketing, how to do marketing, how to do digital marketing, how to do it better, you know, the tactics, the strategy. But what I've found is that a lot of them just completely ignore the international angle mm-hmm. and what that implies, you know, the fact that you have to think of people who don't speak English, you have to think about other cultures and cultural differences, all these topics, right, that just do not come up ever any other marketing podcast. That's kind of the gap I'm trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my mission really is to stay on that topic and make sure that I provide that information because no one else seems to be doing it at least not on a consistent basis and not independently of, you know, I mean, there's a McKinsey podcast and there's some big name brands that put out an occasional podcast like that, but it's always 
more for their own clients and it's not really an independent production. Mm. So I'm trying to educate business people, including owners of smaller businesses, but also other marketers, frankly, here in North America, especially, where there's just not the level of awareness that I think there should be around, you know, thinking more globally and, and why that's important, especially in this mm-hmm. day and age, right? Right, um, right. There's a lot of opportunities out there. So much opportunity, but so little time spent on, you know, thinking about what that means in practical terms, right? You know, no, the rest of the world doesn't speak English necessarily. And, and even when they do, you know, it's not their first language. And maybe if you made an effort and uh, reached out to them in their own language and speaking in ways that fit better with their culture, you would have better success. These topics that we, as localization insiders, we talk about all the time, I think in the wider marketing community and business community, at least here in North America, are not standard topics yet, and they should be. And that's mm-hmm. kind of my mission with the podcast. I'm at the point now, frankly, you know, I'm, I've just published episode 126, 27. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, now I'm starting to get people reaching out to me out of the blue who want to be on my podcast. And that's great. But I now find that I have to vet them. I have to look at what they actually do, like if they're marketers or business people, I have to go and do a bit of research on them and figure out, are they the right fit for my podcast? Are, are they? Do they have anything valuable to bring to the conversation that I'm trying to have for my target audience? And if the answer is no, not really, yeah, they're, they've made their mark. They're very competent marketers and they have a lot to teach people about marketing in general. But if their area of specialty isn't really the global angle of that, if they have nothing to say about international topics, if they're very sort of North American focused, for instance, then it's not the right fit for my podcast. There's plenty of other podcasts that they would be great guests for, but not mine. And so I've had to write some emails to people saying, you know, thanks for your interest, but I'm really looking for experts on the international aspects of marketing and uh, branding. And that's what I have to keep my focus on. I, I, it's nice that you're offering to be on my podcast, but I have to be selective now about who gets on the podcast because my target audience, my listeners, my audience that I've built up for the last two years expects me to be the podcast that deals with the global topics, the international topics. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, when that happens, you know you've had a successful podcast. So congratulations for that. (laughs) Thank you. Well, all right. I'd say let's not make this any longer than we should, right? (laughs) Yeah, we're at that Um, 50-minute mark, and now we've got to exit this thing before everyone gets, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, we're pushing it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you very much, Catherine, for taking the time today. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Thanks to the listeners for sticking with us. Not dropping off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've all dropped off by now. We don't have that in the stats. <laughs> Maybe there's no one listening anymore. They all stopped at like 33 minutes. Uh, we should take our own advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep it short. All right. Thanks. It was fun. Thanks, guys. Thank yep. you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye.